Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lost Talk Radio. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the hog. Hello, and welcome to Provocative Thought, intimately known as PT, striving to awaken those who are asleep, stimulate those who are awakened, feed those who are starving, and nurture those who seek to know. I am your host. Carlton Steed, a self-proclaimed student of life in the search, discovery, and revelation of life on life's terms. First, I'd like to thank Queen Mother for Real Media for allowing me to host this show. I'd also like to thank the creator for allowing me to be. You can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please. Press 1 to speak. You can reach us on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Queen Mother For Real and listen to the show live or listen to previous shows. You can also contact us on Facebook at Provocative Thought PT Community Organization. Our topic tonight is Victoria's Secret. This is a journey into the idea of self social, media, cultural subjugation, exploitation, and objectification of male and female social, psychological, and spiritual energy. Why or how did the uniform of a Victorian prostitute become the uniform of the common woman? Is it the result of a sexist, male-dominant society and thus and projection of his true desire? Is it an expression of the common woman's desire to please the common man? Is it an expression or manifestation of the common woman's expression of sexual freedom or a desire to be like a whore? Is it a harmless but sensual treat to be shared between intimate partners? Is it much deeper than we think? How does it impact on the individual, the relationship, the family, and the community? Our word lingerie is derived from the French word for linen. In lingerie were things made of linen. A Stafford MBA named 
Roy Raymond wants to buy his wife some lingerie, but he's too embarrassed to shop for it at a department store. He comes up with an idea for a high-end place that doesn't make you feel like a pervert, doesn't make men feel like perverts. He gets a $40,000 bank loan, borrows another 40000 from his in-laws, opens a store and calls it Victoria's Secret. Makes about 500000 his first year, starts the catalog, opens three more stores. And after about five years, he sells the company to Leslie Wexner. And um, for $4 million instead, some say $1 million. It's not even uh, an issue how much he sold it for. Except two years later, the company's worth $500 million, and Roy Raymond jumps off the Golden State Bridge. In the mid-'70s, Roy Raymond did indeed walk into his apartment store to buy his wife's lingerie, only to find ugly floral print nightgowns made even uglier under harsh fluorescent lights, and the saleswoman made him feel like a deviant just for being there. Realizing that other males felt the same way, he came up with his own idea, concept of purchasing lingerie. A lingerie store that was designed to make men feel comfortable shopping there. Raymond imagined a Victorian old door replete with dark, dark wood, oriental rugs, and silk drapery. He chose the name Victoria to evoke the propriety and respectability associated with the Victorian era. Outwardly refined, Victoria's secrets were hidden beneath. In 1977, with $80,000 of savings and loans from the family, Raymond and his wife uh, leased the space and they opened up, you know, Victoria's Secret. In the 1950s and 60s, underwear was all about practicality and durability. For most American women, sensual lingerie was reserved for the honeymoon and for the anniversary night. Frederick of Hollywood was the granddaddy of the specialty lingerie retailers. Frederick of Hollywood predated Victoria's Secret. That's what that's basically saying. The women's movement of the late 60s and 70s called for women to liberate themselves from the bondage of bras. The intimate apparel industry responded with new designs that they claimed would give women a natural look. They desire it without the embarrassment of the sagging bus line. But for the most part, underwear remains functional, not fun. Raymond opened three more stores in San Francisco. By 1982, the company had an annual sales of more than $4 million. Ford Profile published that that year, Wexner, now 40, was worth $50 million. By the early 1980s, Wexner, Leslie Wexner, was looking to branch out into new brands. It was a small store, but it was Victorian, not English Victorian, but brothel Victorian with red velvet sofas. Models looked uncomfortably like Susan Sarandon, high-end prostitute in Pretty Baby. That's a movie where this woman played, this actress played a prostitute. Roy Raymond took the uniform of an English whore 
or prostitute, Victorian, brothel Victorian, and market it to the common woman. In focusing on a store and catalog that appealed to men, Raymond had felt to draw a large following among women. Of course, men visit the brothel. Women are not known to visit brothels with, with women. So, there was a study, European lingerie of European lingerie boutiques, whose female customers approached lingerie as an everyday essential. Wexner returned home convinced that if American women had access to the same kind of sexy, affordable lingerie as their European counterparts, they too would want to wear it every day. He also saw a gaping hole in the instrument apparel market. Finally, a new shopping environment was created, one that was inviting to women and fulfilled an attainable fantasy of glamour and luxury would help create greater demand. Mr. Leslie Wexner, CEO of Victoria's Secret, marketed the idea of women wearing intimate lingerie as did their European counterparts daily. He mass-marketed the idea of self-identification for the common woman. Now, underneath many a common woman's attire was a Victorian English whore or prostitute, at least her uniform was. The, the message or subliminal message that is implied is that deep inside of the common woman is a common whore. Record sales and success give validity to the theory, at least for some women. Mr. Wexner theorized and or recognized that women had the desire to fulfill an unattainable fantasy of glamour and luxury. This suggests that to self-objectify is to be glamorous. Glamorous is beautiful, attractive, lovely, bewitching, enchanting, fashionable, seductive, alluring, etc. Glamour is the attractive or exciting quality that makes certain people or things seem appealing or special, beauty or charm that is sexually attractive. It is also an early 18th century term originally used by the Scots in the sense enchantment and magic. Luxury is the state of great comfort and extravagant living. This suggests that the woman should be comfortable self-identifying, and be extravagant, have no restraint in spending money or using resources to self-identify. It also suggests nothing. Morals, ethics, mate, customs, religious beliefs should restrain her from self-identifying. Basically, self-identification over self-respect at all or any cost. Esteem and power is thus founded on the idea the principle of being seductive like a whore, a Victorian whore. What an attack on the woman's self-esteem in her pocketbook. Or is there a Victorian whore in many of a, the common women? Did Raymond and Wesley simply provide an avenue for women to be, to act out, to behave, express, explore, to live in the whorish manner which society did not openly support or permit them? The question is, how does the debased behavior of a whore become the aspiration of a woman? First, the woman must desire to be debased. In her desire for sex, 
if her desire for sex supersedes her moral and ethical responsibility, she has no moral or ethical foundation, or she values sex over moral and ethical ideas. Therefore, she experiences little to no shame, guilt, or ethical about or concerning her debased behavior. She is socialized, indoctrinated, and encouraged to associate and participate in sexual activity as an expression of her individual freedom or freedom from the oppression of male-dominant society. An individual desire to free themselves of the moral and ethical restraints or guidelines that dictate what is appropriate Sexual behavior is indicative of the desire to behave sexually without restraint. To openly and overtly behave without restraint is indicative of how deeply rooted the behavior is. Cultural or subcultural trends regarding the overt expression of sexual behavior is indicative of a change in the attitude of a group of individuals concerning their sexual behavior. Now, the behavior can be sanctioned, supported, and encouraged by the group. An individual can actually feel good about their debased sexuality. In short, wrong becomes right or all right. Moral and ethical dogmas are repelled with phrases like, that's your opinion, that's old-fashioned, you're trying to control me, you don't tell me what to do, I'm grown, men do it. Well, that's another show, the men do it part. The desire to be Sexy, attractive, supersedes the moral and ethical responsibility of the individual. To be sexually attractive is to initiate and promote sexual desire for you. Self-esteem is founded on the idea that men want to have sex with you and you have the power to seduce, entice men to, to want to behave sexually with you. This ideology becomes a pillar of the individual's self-esteem. When you overtly exploit and objectify your sexuality, you sexually stimulate or attempt to stimulate everyone who is exposed to your sexual energy. Your man, your man's brother, your man's father, friend, cousin, the milkman, policeman, gas man, the young man, as they say, from anyone from 8 to 80. If you sexually objectify and exploit your sexuality to get the attention and love of men, especially by wearing the outfit of a Victorian whore, you subliminally, subliminally and or consciously encourage and train the man to desire a whore or a woman who is like a whore. This may have given birth to the saying, a whore in the bedroom and a lady outside of the bedroom. Is that really possible? Theoretically, behavior is the manifestation of what you think and feel. If you are a whore in the bedroom, you are a whore outside of the bedroom. It is not customary for a man to become emotionally attached to a whore or for a whore to become emotionally attached to a man. Since there are other whores and there is no emotional connection, the man can simply find sexual entertainment elsewhere. Mission accomplished. You got his attention and you had him at attention. This encourages the man to love being with you sexually, but not to love you. Is becoming a whore the common woman's way of competing with the common whore? Could it be 
a simple case of if you can't beat them, join them. Sexy lingerie simply covers less of the perceived erroneous and private areas of the body and promotes arousal. Do men want a whore in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom, or both? It's possible. Boy, Raymond apparently did. How come the fashion industry isn't trying to cover the body? Why isn't it fashionable to cover the body? Each year, they literally strip the woman of her clothing. Why? Simply because it is what is in the lingerie that is actually sexually stimulating. Again, it's simply because it is what is in the lingerie that is sexually stimulating. So Mr. Wexner made a lot of money after he bought the uh, big Victoria's Secret uh, business from Mr. Uh, Raymond. Unfortunately, Mr. Raymond jumped off the, off the bridge. I don't know why, but this, uh, we're not going to get into why he jumped off the bridge. So today, according to YouGov Brand, Brand Index with a net income, uh, Victoria's Secret has a net income of $5 billion. So this industry of sexual uh, stimulating industry, this lingerie industry, through this one company today is worth a, a probably more than $5 billion, but the last, this information has $5 billion. So he made sexy underwear commonplace and convinced us that investing in what's underneath our clothes is as necessary as the clothes themselves. The world... And the skivvies would never be the same. This is from Victoria's Secret on War, Victoria's Secret War on Women. Nothing sexy about it. This is by uh, John Lexon Kite, Ph.D. and Lindsay Kite. John Lexon Kite, Ph.D. and Lindsay Kite, Ph.D. The two thirty-year-old Ph.D. Uh, females that um. Uh, have something to say about Victoria's Secret and the objectification and sexualization of women in general. So one of the things we are, one of the things we are at beauty we find hate most in this world, even more than Brock's dolls, I don't even know what that is, or people asking if we've seen the latest dub video is when companies try to commonly commodify girl power or empower meant to self-sexist, objectifying baloney. One of the most successful swimmers of our time is, they say, Victoria's Secret, whose secret is telling the masses that marketing empowers women and helps customers feel sexy, customers being women, feel sexy, bold, and powerful. They go on to say, self-objectification leads us to view ourselves from an outsider's perspective. In essence, to view ourselves and treat ourselves as objects to be looked at and consumed. This, they say, this way of living holds us back from everything more important than worrying about what we look like. In other words, literally, everything, period. Studies show. Girls and women can't throw a softball as hard as when they 
feel self-conscious of their looks. But you can't say the same exact thing for math, but, but you can say the same exact thing for math tests, spatial skills, weightlifting, and lots more. Self-identification is linked to poorer sexual functioning and inability to find satisfaction and pleasure in sexual experiences, as well as decreased sexual assertiveness, including the ability to say no or act about contraception. How not sexy is that? And that's, that's very interesting right there because you, you would think that the, the sexual, um, a woman that's sexually objectifying her case herself would get more out of the sexual experience in terms of sex than a person that wasn't doing because you're getting the attraction and things like that. But then this is this study is saying no. Victoria's Secret should really reconsider their marketing tactics of consistent objectification if they really truly want to help women feel sexy, bold, and powerful. You can can you even imagine the effects this constant body surveillance has on educational decisions, career choices, political participation, mental and physical health? Romantic relationships and everything else worthwhile in life. She, they go on to say, "We'd rather not, but we can. We cannot ignore it." This company, this is a company that ranked in five billion, ranked in five billion annual. Again, this is five billion dollars. Selling sexually objectifying and limiting messages to all ages under the guise of empowerment. $5 billion every year, women are buying into the empowerment sold by Victoria's Secret, the U.S. number one lingerie retailer. What you'll see from Victoria's Secret is not empowerment, but about asking girls and women to give away their power by doing one or two things in order to feel a fake and fleeting form of power. One fixing it or flaunting it. Both leave us at the harmful and stifling state of self-identification that hinders female progress, health, and happiness in every possible way. Stories about the extremists to which the Victoria's Secret models resort to, to fix their own bodies for their near-naked stroll down the catwalk on primetime network TV. Adrienne Lemmer shared her diet and exercise plan, which would, which they would publish, but it's, too, but it's is a complete recipe for organ failure. This lady is a Victorian secret model. She shared her diet with them, and it is so risky that it puts her or anybody that uses the diet at risk of organ failure. So she's trying to keep that slim body that you see the girls have when walk down the runway. There's nothing in power about starvation. Basically, she's starving herself into uh, the, the look that the uh, Victoria's Secret organization wants her to have. Not even the angels all fit the ideal. So these women are doing all types of things to um, fit into the uh, size, shape, of the Victoria's Secret model, very important. They were 
store the images in their psyches and work relentlessly to hide themselves from the scrutiny or fix their parts with products and procedures. So, among those who do not feel immense body shame triggered by these images, objectifying messages like that of Victoria's Secret often inspire them to endorse identification and flaunt their parts as their most important attribute. Today, the normalized pornography of Victoria's Secret seeks to empower us by convincing us that unlike sexist media in the past that objectified women against their will, this stuff is just for us now and has nothing to do with men. Against the lingerie, the push-up bras, the, all of that has nothing to do with men. The willful objectification of women posing for women is presented not as a way to seek men, uh, men's approval, but as a but as pleasing ourselves, themselves, that the women are putting on these lingerie to please themselves and it has nothing to do with uh, pleasing a man. And on doing that, we might just happen to win a man. So, so we have this on because we think we look good in it. We like how we look in it. It's empowering to us. And while we're doing that, we might hook a, a man. Victoria uh, Secret Spokesman in the 90s said that their products and advertisement are not for men to look at, but for women to feel good about themselves. They're going to say, if that's the case, who do they expect to read the slogans on our behind? Surely not women themselves. Slogans like Bright Young Thing, I Dare You, uh, Wow, and can't read them all, but... If the slogans are not for men, who are those, who is supposed to read these slogans on the behinds of women's uh, lingerie underwear? As a part of the pink brand for the teenage things across the world, these undies feature polka dot hipsters with feeling lucky pinning on them, a lacy thong with the word I dare you on them. This is for the teenagers. Someone came up with the idea that, um, what what do teenagers want to be like most college girls? So they came out with a line of lingerie or women's apparel for them that uh, ref- reflected or um, imitated the kind of lingerie that the older girls were wearing, would wear. Says so magical, is it? Just get Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift to perform at a sexually objectifying, shame-inducing event where you convince beautiful women to starve themselves, put on underwear or less, and call it a fashion show. That airs on the network TV for the world to see. The desire to be desired is our number one priority. We lose our... When the desire to be desired is our number one priority, they say women lose themselves... And they lose, and they they're out of control. They lose freedom, happiness, and self worth. They encourage women to take back beauty in all its forms, healthy sexually, which is involved, which involves much more than what we look like. And happiness for every female that needs to find it. 
Basically, they're saying, do not allow yourself to be objectified by these so-called fashions that are designed, in this case, it's originally uh, the theory by men to objectify women and to exploit their sexuality. And they're telling women that it's not designed for them to be sexually uh, attracted to men, which is odd. They also, it's a quote, it's to live in a culture which women are routinely naked where men aren't is to learn inequality in ways all day long. That's from Naomi Wolf from the Myrtle of uh, the Beauty Myth. Victoria's Secret is to teach us to view ourselves as objects whose primary power comes from the appearance of our body. You are more than a body to be looked at. So this, I think we can agree that there's more to a woman than her breast and her waistline and her behind and her legs and her face. We are women are people and they deserve to be uh, respected for who they are, not just drooled over for being a, a sex object for men. We have relationships with women which in which we have engage women in conversations. We share ideas with them. We share we have we share children with them, families, we live in a community with them. So they're not just sex objects. Numerous studies demonstrate that repeated exposure to sexually objectifying media encourages women to self-objectify. And they name a couple of places, Fredrickson, uh, Fredrickson, Roberts, Noel, Quinn, and Twins. This is a lot of places that uh, promote that. Callers out there, if we have any callers that have any uh, anything they want to add to or interject regarding this uh, issue of self-identification by the uh, media, I'm not putting everything on Victoria's Secret. It's just they're very famous, and uh, as I said, they have there are plenty of pe- other people who objectify promote the objectification of the female. Through clothing, we know because we know we have bathing suits, we have all types of things, different types of dresses and things like that. But for tonight, we're just speaking about lingerie and uh, lingerie as you know promoted through Victoria's Secret. Um, later, um, Fred, Mr. Wexler actually bought Fredericks of Hollywood. I don't think I mentioned that, but he actually purchased Fredericks of Hollywood later on which was basically observed for, you know, the honeymoon and a special occasion where, you know, sex was to be expected, initiated, and, you know, things like that. So those sexual encounters that you had with your mate, uh, Frederick to Hollywood, the granddaddy of uh, lingerie, uh, sexy lingerie, they made garments especially for those special occasions. As we know, sex sales and sex business, apparently the, the country or women or and or men have a strong
own desire for sex and that you could sell almost anything with sex because lingerie in itself isn't sexy, as we were saying. The lingerie, I've never seen a book where it just had lingerie in it and where somebody was boxing over it. Oh, look at the lingerie. Look at the G-string itself. The G-string itself is not sexy unless it's on the body of a woman. Or for a woman, I guess, G-string on the body of a man. So what's sexy is the woman. So the woman's body is what's sexually attractive to the man, not the clothing. The clothing just reveals the woman's body, and so the man becomes um, more attractive or enticed or sexually uh, aroused because he sees more of what he wants to see. Or even for a woman, if she's the more of a person's nakedness, the, the, the greater the, the arousal uh, or the expectation that you're going to have sex with that person. Because even though not everybody's having sex because they have to dress, not even, I'm not saying that, but nakedness and sexual interaction kind of go hand in hand, even though people do not always take all their clothing off. We know that the more you take off, the more uh, sexually arousing and anticipation of sex is in, uh, anticipated because you're taking your clothes off. That's, that's why strippers are able to make money by, by taking their clothes off slowly. And it's, a, it's a very seductive uh, act. And so women clothes have been, through the fashion industry, women have been stripped of, of their clothing. Clothing have been removed from women for years. Slowly, it's a slow process, but they got to the point where women are wearing uh, less clothing. So, and some of the clothing that women wear are the clothing that had been or is clothing that was familiar of uh, so-called women of the night prostitution as Mr. Uh, Raymond here uh, took the uniform of the Victorian prostitute and sold it to the common woman for ass lingerie. Now, maybe there's nothing, you know, I'm not saying there's something wrong with it. Let's just discuss what we have a caller. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hello, Q. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Thank you. Uh, good evening. Um, I, Could I you speak a little louder? I can hardly hear you. Okay. I agree with what you were saying about women have been duped into objectifying themselves. Um, I don't know um, if that could ever be fixed, though, because it seemed like the way things go, once things are out, it's everything just kind of like escalates from there. So I don't know if we could ever put the genie back into the bottle. But um, it's it's um it's kind of sad and very um dangerous if you're trying to raise young girls. And um, I feel for anybody that has to compete with all of that stuff coming at their kid, you know, because that's coming at them every day, all day long. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Okay, you you think it's irreversible? I don't know how it would be reversed. Because well, it seems like it's a progression of everything that happens, you know, in the world as far as, like, um, you know, everything that happens in the world, you know, as far as, like, um, 
violence and everything like that and trends, they all just seem to, like, escalate. You right. know, so just like you were saying, before everybody used to wear almost like almost like a um a jumpsuit going swimming back in the day. Right. Then that changed to something else. Then that got a little bit less and now they wear strings. So and matter of fact now they're going for the topless to get rid of the top strings. So uh, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to but get actually have new actually have new features. Right. I was gonna say that. They're going to it's gonna be more and more, I guess, until they have, like, more nude beaches. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that the same as someone trying uh, wearing a lingerie to appeal to to kind of accentuate their sexuality or their sensuality, or is that the same, a nude beach? Are they on a the beach to be sexual, or is that a... a Another type of expression. Maybe both. But I think it's definitely, uh, I think they definitely want it to be sexy, though. They want a beach to be sexy when uh, on a nudist beach, a nudist colony. So some, some people are there to be, to get sexual uh, attention to arouse the people that they come in contact with. Is that right? That's what you feel about yeah. that? I think okay. so. That, that, that could be possible. I don't know what people think. I don't know. I don't. I'm just throwing a question out there. You know. But but I don't think it's like necessarily either or. I think it could be both. I think they could be doing both things. Right. And I think they could too. So you think this thing is irreversible? What about on an individual uh, level? Some people, you know, change. Definitely, I agree with that. Right, but so I mean, on a mass, like, a mass level, you, it's irreversible. Yeah, kind of. Okay, well, that sounds like a statement of hopelessness in terms of um, women um, not objectifying themselves. But on an individual yeah. level, you you have you have some hope for individuals, but to see a mass movement of uh, say like to the point the the fashion would change, you saying that is a hopeless situation. Yeah, I think um, as far as, like, lingerie and stuff like that and what they're wearing at the beaches and stuff, yeah, that's never going to – I don't think that's going to – I don't think that's going to be reversed. I think that's going to be the trend. Right. So is it it harmful? Is it a harmful thing to wear lingerie? Especially in Hollywood made these things for the wedding night and for the anniversary. That's the anniversary of, you know, you and your mate, you know, maybe the anniversary of the wedding. So he made these kind of stuff for them. I'm assuming that people use that, uh, young uh, women use that, young and old, for, uh, well, some women aren't even, aren't even married, don't have that type of relationship. But I'm assuming some women might use this just to, you know, spice up the the bedroom scene or the, the trick to the Poconos or the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, is that a bad thing? Is that like is she taking is she losing power by putting on a pair of some sexy lingerie for her husband? Is she giving up power? Is she objectifying herself? Or what do you think? I think okay. Um, Kim, we have uh, two more calls, so I appreciate you for calling tonight. 
Okay. And uh, All right. going to take the next caller. Thank you. Welcome All to right. Provocative Thank Thought. Thank you, Q. Welcome. Hello? Hello? Yes, sir. Yes, how are you doing tonight? Okay, and yourself? I'm doing good. Well, who am I speaking with? Vincent. Vincent. Good evening, Vincent. And Good evening, how, what would you like to share with us tonight, brother? I'd like to share. Um, lingerie was made for people that wanted to turn on their significant others. Okay. Right. Or because you look a certain way, you're going to put something on. You're going to look good, but you're not going to look good. So for them right. for them to sell their lingerie, they couldn't just take lingerie, you know, and put it and put it and put it in a magazine with no body attached to it because right. it's not going to sell. That's so, right. So, so to give off that look, oh, well, let me add these models in here that look a certain way. Right. And make the make this woman like okay, you know what? If I look like that, then I can fit, you know, you know, I can fit, I can fit, you know, you call it, into that piece, you know, you call it, you call it piece of clothes. But there are women out there that's not models, shaped women, you know, look different, and they put right. that on, and it gives them a whole new outlook. Okay, but it's just. The person you're trying to get when you put certain stuff on, right? Okay. If you want your man to to notice you more, you're going to change up because you know what? When you get used to seeing her the same way all the time, it's the same old person, right? So if she changed up and put something on that you haven't seen before, it's going to get your interest back. Oh, okay. So that that um relieves the novelty of the situation. Yeah, creates and creates newness. So now you like having another person. We have no, another no, no. caller. Okay, let's just um, say um, Vincent. No, because no way, it's the same. No way, it's the same person, but she just giving you something else to look at. Okay, giving you something, another look. Right, variation of the same theme, right? Yeah. Spicing up the relationship, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. We appreciate you your call, on Vincent. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Next caller, please. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hello? We have another caller. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Caller hung up. Okay. So, so here we have an expression of Brother just said that, you know, what I previously mentioned about how people, a person could use this to spice up the relationship when the, the novelty kind of wears off. I guess that after a year, two years, maybe for the seven-year itch uh, kicks in. Mm-hmm. Woman could um, use that to help. Hello? Welcome to Provocative Thought. Is someone on the other line? Hello? Hello. Yes. Yes. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hi. Thank you. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Okay. So who are we speaking? You have My to turn off. Excuse me. You have to turn off your speaker, 
or if you're online and you're talking on the phone, it's going to reverberate. So you have like a extra sound coming off. So you have to uh, turn your speaker down. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. No problem. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, I just wanted to say, like, I do think that women tend to, like, change for for men, but there can also be circumstances in which they change for themselves. Like, yeah, you're married, and sometimes women get tired of them doing the same routines every day, so they tend to change for themselves. And the men may their husband or other men may so happen to notice them. But it is mostly for their for their self esteem and to regain that spark within themselves along with their marriage. Right. So just saying that women could use lingerie, sexy lingerie to spice up uh the relationship and to boost their uh is that right, self esteem? Yes. Okay, and who, are we, who am I speaking with? My name is Chandra. Chandra, okay. All right, so sexy lingerie, in contrast to what the uh, the two psychiatrists psychologists were saying, that it, uh, that it can actually boost a woman's self-esteem, right? Yes, it can. By making, causing what? By causing them to feel sexy. Like if a woman... Oh. Like, for me personally, like, when I get dressed every day or look, get cute or anything of that sort, I do it for my own person and for myself, you you know? Like, Mm -hmm. and some people also have their own versions of sexy. Like, it doesn't have to be lingerie. It could be just a nice nightgown that they feel sexy in. Like, it's important to to notice who you are. And, like, it's a good way to, like, feel confident in yourself and the plus behind that will be the man noticing you but some women don't have the self-esteem and they see it in others so they look for that self-esteem in others so they do get sexy for the men to notice them so that that can boost their ego or their their self-esteem but some people boost their own self-esteem by getting sexy but some people also get sexy to look for other people to boost their self-esteem if you understand what I'm saying Right. Okay, so they feel better because they they feel how does a woman determine that she's sexy without the uh a man confirming it? I mean, I don't think that there is a exact answer for that question because everybody has their own sense of fashion and sense of sexiness and like you know, everyone has their own taste. So it's just all about what you think in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You can't really right. put a pinpoint on that answer. Okay, so they're self-satisfying by dressing sexy just to satisfy themselves. And if the guy likes it, finds it attractive, then that's a plus. Is that the way I, uh, to interpret what you said? Yes. Okay. All right, so it doesn't take away from who you are. You're adding to the uh, your own um, concept of your sexuality 
and it can enhance the sexual relationship between the woman and her mate. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. And what's your name again? Chandra. Chandra, thank you very much for uh, calling. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? No, thank you. All right, thank you. We appreciate your call and your uh, sharing. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. So apparently what we have is uh, regardless of what others say, everyone has their own opinion about who they are and what and how lingerie impacts on their sexuality and or their relationship. And like the young man expressed previously, the lingerie isn't sexy. It's what's in the lingerie that's sexy. But the female expressed that the lingerie makes her feel sexy. So that's another way of looking at why women buy and purchase our lingerie. Not necessarily for you, for themselves, as um, expressed by, actually, Victoria's Secret is kind of expressing that idea that it's for the woman, not for the man. And if the man happens to like it, then that's a plus to the uh, situation. Now, what if there wasn't any lingerie? What would a woman do without Victoria's Secret, Fredericks, Hollywood, and some of these other guys that that uh, you know created this sexy lingerie? What did women do before they had this sexy uh, sexy lingerie? That were marriages uh, that people remain uh, married shorter times, or were the interests in the marriage sexual interests last shorter times? Did people kind of like stop having sex after three years, four years, five years, because they were just not interested, disinterested, seeing the same old person in those bloomers that they used to wear a long time ago or that cotton nightgown. Did that kind of, what happened back? What did they do before the event of sexy lingerie for the common woman? Because as we, as we uh, know that this type of clothing, outfit, uniform, originally uh, used by uh, prostitutes to uh, seduce and entice men. So a prostitute is a woman. So the same concept of if a woman who is married or in a relationship chooses to wear that, she's using it to enhance the uh, sexual encounter with the uh, male that she's with. So theoretically, it can work either way. In either relationship, we have another caller. Welcome to Provocative Foot. I want uh, to remind everyone to press 1 if you want to speak. We appreciate everyone calling in, but you have to press 1 if you want to talk on the show. Turn your uh, speakers down if you're listening on the Internet also. Hello. Welcome to Provocative Foot. I can't hear you. Hello? Yes. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Um, hello, hello, how you doing? Okay, and yourself? I'm good. This is um Tiffany. Hello, Tiffany. 
Yeah, and I was you was asking what what do a married couples what are they do what were they doing back in the day before it was lingerie? Yeah, before the question? event of right, before the event of the common woman wearing this type of lingerie, how how did the woman keep the male's interest or was that a short lived phenomenon? And my answer to that was they was just naked. They were just naked. Yep. They didn't right, wear they... anything. They didn't. They didn't need to wear anything. Cause times have definitely changed. Just like, for instance, um, a long time ago, how women used to walk around and wear them corsets. The the women are wearing, and went, but women are wearing them now. To change the form of their body. Right. So I think a lot of things now is just people seeing what other people do, and they just want to mimic what they see other people do. So why are really they mimicking people? Why are they mimicking people? Because they, they want their body to look like their body, or they want the same reaction that this woman gets from men or from women. They just want the same thing that other people so, are doing. So and it do have a lot to do with their self-esteem also. So are you saying that women desire to be desired by more than one man? Yeah. Sexually desired, they want to be desired. Even though they might not want every man that desires them, they want many men to desire them? Yes. And yes. To, what, to what purpose is that? Attention. Attention. <laughs> Just to get attention. So, so women like attention. Men okay. and women and, like attention. Right. So men desire attention. What do men do to get attention? Even though we're getting off subject, but since you mentioned men, what do men do to get attention? They walk around in their little tight shirts. <laughs> okay. So the men have out. a... Who? Work out. Work out. Get buff. Keep in shape. I really don't know what men do to try to get attention. It don't have nothing really to do with what women do to get attention. Right. right. To me, it seems a little lopsided. It seems like women are doing more to exploit their sexuality than men. It seems it's it's an industry out there for that. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't quite see that much for women. For men, I mean. Possible. But I see, like I said, it's a. What you say? But the point I was just making was that a lot of things that go on now is just people doing what they see other people do. (laughs) Right. So, sheepish mentality. Right. That's what I call it. Sheepish mentality. Right. Because every woman don't have to wear it to please their man. Because if your man love you, he's going to love you in a lingerie or however you come. Right. Or right out of the shower, right? Right. Right. So that's that's just the point I, I wanted to make. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, you know, I was just throwing this out there. How come, What did they do before the event of the lingerie when it was not appropriate for a common woman to wear that kind of stuff? How would, how did she keep her man's interest? We don't know. They did that behind doors. 
they was in the privacy of their own home. And right. it's different now where people just do things blatantly out in front of the sh- in, in front of your face out in the street. So we don't know. It was private. Okay. Well, in terms of lingerie, that's under the clothing for the most part. You know, they have lingerie that's specifically designed for the, the uh, sexual encounters. You know. Right? Right. Right. So, you know, I was just wondering what someone listening might know or have experience or could share about what women did a long time ago when they were wearing the bloomers. You know what I'm saying? The underwear that came down had midway the size and wasn't that tight fit. You know what I'm saying? And the cotton gowns. I'm I'm sure that that based on the population of the earth, it didn't make a difference. Right. No, it didn't. Right. No, it didn't. Okay, well, right. thank you, Tiffany. Thanks for calling. All right, you're welcome. Have a good one. All right, you too. And to my, to my listeners, those who call and did not press one, feel free and brave to press one whenever. We appreciate your input. This is a forum for us to speak with each other. Not just for me to speak to you and divulge information. This is something for us to talk to us so that we can work things out. I want to thank everybody for calling in tonight. Our callers, your input was greatly appreciated. Also, I want to thank Queen Mother for Real Media for allowing me to host the show. I want to give a, a thumbs up to Mr. Kenny Jones who's very instrumental in me uh, being here also. Again, I'd like to thank the creator for allowing me to be, because without being, I could not be here to host the show. Also, I want to say to everyone in terms of self-objectification and sexualization of male and female, because the self-objectification of the female promotes self-objectification by the male. But we don't want to, we want to love you, we don't want to objectify you. So, we want a totally... You will not be able to stay home, brother. Remember, you are somebody. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. Thank you very much. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.